Hi. Before we kick off this doozy of a show, I just want to digitally high-five some of our amazing Patreon supporters. So, huge thank you to Zach Daskal, Tom Turner, George Sarkov, Andy McClelland, David Bittner, Emil Tragberg-Jensen, Zylar, David McConnell, Ragnar Carlson, Amanda. Thank you all. If you want to join our Patreon community, check us out at smashingsecurity.com forward slash Patreon. On with the show. Do you remember the Winklevoss twins? They were the guys who were in the early days of Facebook. If you've ever seen uh, that movie about Mark Zuckerberg, is it called The Social Network or something? I have, but I don't remember them. There's a couple of CGI twins. Well, one of them isn't CGI. Well, I suppose neither of them are CGI, (laughs) but they've been added. They've been made twins (laughs) through computer. There's a couple of twins. They're very rich. There's one pair of twins. Yes. Not a couple of twins. That's four people. That's correct. (laughs) Oh, my God. Smashing Security, episode 188, Dinner with Elon Musk and Chris Jenner, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 188. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week we are joined by returning guest, it's Lisa Forte, everybody. Yay! Woo, she's back! She is back. How are you doing, Lisa? I am just, yeah, I'm just all over everything. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm loving lockdown. It's great. It's been brilliant. And you're still pumping out those rebooting videos, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And Graham, yours was a big, big hit. People, no, you know, tell us about them. So I decided to do something that was about interviewing people about interesting stories. And the concept was that we can all learn from different people. And anybody you meet in life, whether they're a sporting personality or whether they're Graham, you can... Sorry, you you interviewed Graham? (laughs) I am a sporting personality. Are you? Just for clarity. Yes, chess, chess. Is that a sport? Oh, sport. Yes, is. is it? I can yes, imagine it him stretching beforehand so he doesn't he pull a muscle. He has the strongest thumb and, and, <laughs> and index finger in the world. Okay, I think you'll find the Olympics Committee are seriously considering it to be a sport. Well, so. when they do... Yeah, exactly. Forward. When they yeah. do, come back. We'll do yeah. another episode. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the idea was you can learn something from everybody in the world, basically, you come into contact with. So I wanted to have something that would allow everyone to reboot and learn something new from people. And it's ended up being great because we've had mountain climbers, we've had pen testers, we've had Grahams, we've had Chris had Maggie, um, and it's been brilliant. And we've learned a lot and they've been... Uh, Really good episodes, and Graham's was hilarious. And as usual, I just spent the whole time laughing. So, oh. aww, there yeah, you have one fan, Graham. Yeah, well, that's good. Carol, that's, <laughs> no. what have we got coming up on the show this week? Uh, first, thanks to this week's sponsor, LastPass. Its support helps us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham delves into the recent Twitter hack and tells us what happened. Lisa tells us of Russian agents trying to attack COVID vaccine testing labs. And I give you the latest on StockAware and Bossware. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, Chums Chums, it cannot have failed to escape anybody's notice because it's been headlines all over the web and all over the TV news about the enormous Twitter hack. 
Yes. Well, I don't know if everyone read the deets, so I still think it might be interesting for you to cover it. Well, I'm sure some people were a little bit disappointed we didn't cover it last week, but it actually happened after we recorded last week's episode. Um, so It's really inconsiderate of Twitter, can I just say, to not take <laughs> Smashing Security's recording schedule into consideration when having a break. Right? I'm just going to point that out. They're outrageous. <laughs> so what happened was lots of Twitter accounts began to post a rather peculiar message. For instance, Kanye West, he tweeted that I am giving back to my fans. All Bitcoin sent to my address below will be sent back doubled. I'm only going to do this for a maximum of $10 million. And you've got 30 minutes to do it. So basically, he and other celebrities were saying, send us your Bitcoin and we'll send you back double. Yeah. Okay. First, Kanye West. Isn't he going a bit bozo crazy right now? That's the future president of the United States yeah. we're talking yes. about, Carl. <laughs> I Watch know. President West, that's who you're talking about. I, I You know what? I... I feel a little bit uncomfortable about all the teasing that's going on of Kanye West right now. I am not a doctor, and I know that's going to shock a lot of people. But it seems to me, from my amateur position, by the things that he's doing and things that he's saying, that this is a guy who's somewhat troubled. And because of his platform, he's out there acting a little bizarrely, shall we say. And the media are sort of jumping on it and making fun of him. I'm, well, I'm not sure. Well, it's because he seems to go off his meds every time he has a new album to promote. Well, because that's how he gets to go crazy. And he's been held hostage by the Kardashian family. So, oh. you know, we have to, we have to <laughs> yeah. feel a bit sorry for him. Yeah. I know, but how are we going to feel if he, dare I say, if he tops himself, right? That all the media have been having a go at him and making fun of him, whereas really what he needs is some help from his family to sort him out and to take away the video cameras and his social media accounts for a while. Yeah, imagine someone doing that to you, how easy that would be. Well, they wouldn't need to do it for, to me, would they? Because well, I'm obvious... Oh, I see. <laughs> now, another thing, you said lots of Twitter accounts were hacked. Yes. Wasn't it just a handful? Well, it looks like 130 different accounts were targeted, and the hackers managed to reset passwords of 45, according to Twitter. But okay. some of these accounts were really high profile. Right. So some chap called Joe Biden. Never heard of him. Barack Obama. Who? Bill Gates. Jeff Bezos. Our, our, our favourite on the podcast. Elon Musk. Kim Kardashian, of course, is uh, Ye's, as you have to call Kanye West, Ye now, I believe. Kanye's wife, Mike Bloomberg. And companies as well. Apple, Coinbase, Binance, which is a cryptocurrency exchange. Uber. Binance, surely. Rather no? than Binance, I don't know. I would say Binance. I would say Binance. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because I agree with Carol. You say Binance, I say tomato. Um, anyway, the, the thing is, oh, I see because Bitcoin, you think Binance. Uh, probably. No, Binance. Um, oh, you think Binance? Well, it's not Bitcoin, is it? All of this is probably going to get edited out. Um, <laughs> why? Because Lisa and I were right? <laughs> is that why it's getting edited out? It's gripping stuff. The listeners just can't get enough of this. <laughs> now, these, of course, are all verified accounts. And so when people see them begin to post messages, they have a little bit more credibility because you imagine that some chap like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk probably have two-factor authentication in place, probably have not reusing passwords, probably being fairly smart about Can you things. Just remind us what a verified account is because just to understand exactly what it is because i know my account for example is not verified but i think yours both mine are. is verified because i'm a sporting personality <coughs> i have a little tick 
next to my name saying, yes, this is the real Graham Cluley. And you um, got that by doing what? Well, you do have to jump through some hoops. Right. And so they basically verify you're you and yes, you're... exactly. And then you get this little tick that means you can trust me. You okay. Can, that's the idea. You can trust me. Because, of course, there, there have been problems in the past where fake Elon Musks, for instance, have been yes, created on Twitter. Yes, you've covered them often. Yeah. yeah. And they've posted messages, quite often scams similar to this. But these were the real accounts which were saying this. And they all sort of said it simultaneously. And my first thought, I think it happened around about 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. um, or close to midnight on the particular day when it occurred. And my initial thought was they must all be using the same third-party app. They're probably using something like Hootsuite or something like that. Maybe that's got a vulnerability and the hackers have exploited that to post messages on all of these legitimate accounts. That would make sense, yeah. But I also think it's, if it comes from multiple verified accounts, it sort of looks like all of these famous people are part of some new kind of campaign to raise money or something, right? Because they're all best bud like, bites. Yeah, well, it kind of <laughs> looks like, oh, well, everyone who's sort of anyone is saying, you know, about this about this money transfer. It kind of looks a bit more legit. Whereas if you start having nobodies posting as well the same text, it starts to add some, some questions to it. Right. Mm. It, it could look like a whole load of celebrities have joined up together in some campaign. You remember when Gal Gadot did that video of her singing Imagine? with a number of celebrities like How Sarah How can Silverman. you forget? <laughs> I have no idea what you're even talking about. You don't want to Google it, to be nope. honest. <laughs> Not interested at all. I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so it looks like it's something like that. Maybe they're, they're doing it for the greater good of the world because we're all in lockdown and, you know, they're going to spread the wealth around and Jeff Bezos, frankly, can afford it. To um, be fair, was that not the biggest red flag ever when yeah. Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos offers to send money to people <laughs> and he's, he's laying off his poor Amazon slaves that are working in a sweat factory somewhere and then he's giving money away? That should have been the biggest red flag ever. And the message that I saw that was posted from these accounts certainly looked a bit amateurish, to say the least. Mm, well, yeah. You felt you could fall for that? Well, no, I, no I'm a naturally cynical, questioning sort of person because I work in cybersecurity. Oh, but, shush, he's shush. an but Olympic course, athlete as well, like well, they're a different breed. I know, he's talking about his sporting <laughs> character. Anyway, chums. Twitter <laughs> obviously realised that these were scams. And what they did for a while was they blocked tweets from every verified account on Twitter to try and Oh, my stop. God. Did you cry? <laughs> I, could, I could retweet, but I couldn't tweet. Oh, you could retweet. You, you could you add a comment? I could add my comments. So we're just grabbing random tweets just to say, <laughs> hi, everyone, I'm fine. I could use the Smashing Security <laughs> Twitter account because that isn't verified. Oh, so at least you had a way to communicate with your fans. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Graham is alive and well, don't worry. Yeah, I'm here, guys. I'm here. Updates in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just going for a sandwich. Is this, the, is this the reason why this podcast exists? Just to take the piss out of me? Is that, is that why? Wait, is that not why it is? I <laughs> That's what I thought I was coming on to this podcast for. I don't bickertainment, surely. Anyway, <laughs> it turns out that it wasn't a third-party app. Hackers had basically breached Twitter's own systems, and they'd gained access to a sort of back-end tool, an internal tool, which Twitter have for managing accounts. Now, whether they'd done that with the assistance of a Twitter employee or whether they'd managed to fish the credentials from that Twitter employee is a little bit vague at this moment. But with that, they had the power to access anybody's Twitter account at all. 
By the way, there's one name which is missing from that list of celebrity Twitter users, which is perhaps surprising, which is, of course, Donald Trump. His account wasn't compromised. It didn't post anything about him giving away Bitcoin. So I read that, but what was the reason? I think that it's possible that Twitter have got extra security specifically on Donald Trump's account and that they don't allow their regular support people to do all the admin and management of that account like they would be able to on anyone else's. If you remember a couple of years ago, someone at Twitter... Yeah, yeah, someone at Twitter had attacked his uh, his Twitter, had kofefe'd it. That's, <laughs> that's right. Someone <clears throat> at Twitter went rogue and actually deleted Donald Trump's account for a while. And obviously that got noticed and it was reinstated. But I think at that point... He hardly uses it. I'm not sure why he would have noticed. But don't you also think, though, that if you attack his account, maybe there are going to be some CIA people who are going to come after me with a vengeance in a way that, to be honest, Kim Kardashian probably doesn't have that same manpower. Oh, I bet the Kardashians could send around unmarked cars... I'm not saying you want to mess with the Kardashians. I think that would be ill-advised. But I'm just saying, of the two, I would mess with Kim Kardashian before the president of the United States. Really? You're going to be down the floor in no time. I, I'm more worried about the mum. I think, you know, <laughs> that's who you've got to watch out for. Which one? Should, uh, Chris Jenner, is that right? Is that Yes, the Chris Jenner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, right. where, that's where the threat lies in the Kardashian family, for sure. Interesting. See, I know nothing about this world. I don't know anything about the Kardashians. Graham's saying, I don't know anything, but Graham seems to know the name of the mum. I mean, I think well, we should <laughs> ask some questions here. <laughs> I think we should divert the whole rest of the show to figure out why Graham is so obsessed with the Kardashians. That's what the listeners want. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the plot. We know that the hackers had access to Twitter's back end. So to speak. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know. 36 I know. <laughs> hours or so before the cryptocurrency scam. We know that because they posted screen captures of the admin tool on the computer underground. So they had access for a while beforehand. And then some hackers, we don't know if it's the same ones, did the cryptocurrency scam. It may have been different groups of hackers who had access to that system, right? Which is interesting. So... My argument is this could have been worse. The good news is it got sorted out fairly quickly um, and some money was stolen. It's estimated something like $100,000 was sent by people. Seriously? Yes. Yes. Believing that they were going to get more in return. Uh, oh, that's, wow. That's, yeah, that's that's what it appears happened. So I think it could have been even worse, though, because maybe even more money would have been transferred to the bad guy's pockets if some of the cryptocurrency exchange hadn't been quicker on their feet. I would argue it's a pretty big deal because it makes it look like Twitter is not on top of things. Granted, they dealt with it quickly, which is good, but why did it happen in the first place? Well, yes, a huge questions as to what on earth happened there. And mm-hmm. there's the social engineering element, the exploitation maybe of internal staff, whether their knowledge or without their knowledge. I, I think big questions to everyone. And I wonder as well how much working from home comes into this as well, because this Twitter continuing to say to its staff, you can carry on working at home. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ooh, interesting. And I wonder as a consequence whether security has actually dropped a little uh, and there may be less oversight as to what employees may be up to. I don't know. Anyway, listen, I would argue that things could have been even worse, right? Coinbase, they are the largest US-based Bitcoin and cryptocurrency exchange. They indeed had their own Twitter account hacked, and they posted one of these messages as well. They say they prevented over 1,100 of their customers from sending money 
to the scammers. They stopped $280,000 worth of money I going through. I am shocked. Can I just ask, were the messages on all of the accounts that were taken over, was the message the same across the board? There were small differences, but the general gist of it was the it same. It was pretty weak then. Did you not think? For me, anyway, I was just like, okay, scam, 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 scam. Maybe for you, Crow, but you are... I know, you know I'm not as sensitive as you. Uh, well, no, no. Right? You understand it's, how people uh, feel. I don't... What? <laughs> you could see how people would fall for this. I can see how some people might, yeah, because some people look up to the figure of Elon Musk and others and may be desperate and may have a few Bitcoin in their wallet and think, well, this is probably legit because it comes from a verified account. You keep talking about Elon Musk. Do you have a little crush on him, a bromance with Elon? No. Are you sure? Yes, let's move on. So... See, some people have fantasies about things that they don't, like, rationally like, Graham. Is is his dream dinner party, in fact, Elon Musk and Uh, Kris Jenner? Oh. I think think this is it. We figured it out, Carl. You try and get an invite. There's no way I'll be allowed. (laughs) Okay, I'll report back. Okay. According to Coinbase's CISO, (laughs) only 14 of their users were able to send any Bitcoin. And okay. they lost about $3,000. And then they blocked it. And other cryptocurrency exchanges like Gemini, which is run by the... Do you remember the Winklevoss twins? They were the guys who were in the early days of Facebook. If you've ever seen uh, that movie about Mark Zuckerberg, is it called The Social Network or something? I and have, but oh, I don't remember them. There's a couple of CGI twins. Well, one of them isn't CGI. Well, I suppose neither of them are <laughs> CGI, but they've been added in, They've been made twins <laughs> through computer. There's a couple of twins. They're very rich. They There's the one of pair Facebook. of twins. Yes. Not a yes. couple of twins. That's four people. That's tr- correct. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Just trying, to, just trying to help clarify. They run a cryptocurrency exchange called Gemini. Oh, that's why it's called Gemini. Oh, oh my god! So <laughs> Big revelations this episode. So that's clever. for sure. There's also uh, a cryptocurrency exchange called Kraken, so which I guess is run by sea monsters, and of course the previously <laughs> mentioned Binance. Um, Binance, and they did. Oh, as in finance, maybe? Yes. <laughs> yes. There we go. Why didn't you say that? Well, you'd figure it out at some point. You're a pretty smart guy. Anyway. They did the same, but they don't have as many users. And so they didn't stop anything like the same amount. So what I thought was interesting about this is we talk about cryptocurrency being lawless. You know, it's like there's no rules and there's no regulations and it's democratized money and currency and the rest of it. But the fact that so many people use the same services to handle their cryptocurrency wallets and to move Bitcoin around means actually that there are protections which can be put in place by the cryptocurrency exchange themselves if they see a a really high-profile incident like this one occurring. So basically, if you use Binance, you are safer than if you just do it solo, is what you're saying. Or or indeed Coinbase, which had... Yeah, because no one's going to stop you if you want to send 10 million to Elon Musk's supposed account. No, but if if lots of other people are doing it the same and Mm. get spotted, then, then maybe it'd be picked up. So that's one way in which I think things can be worse. The other thing is... This was used for a cryptocurrency scam, right? But the bad guys also had access to other information from those people's accounts. Mm -hmm. They were able to access private direct messages, contacts, physical location history. Of people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden, which is extremely, but not Trump. So interesting. So Twitter says that private data was downloaded for only eight accounts. Hmm. It says, it won't tell us which ones, and it says none of them were verified. But obviously the potential was there for blackmail, sextortion, who knows, 
influence. You can imagine how state-sponsored hackers may want access to that kind of information. So they won't tell us who the account holders are? Do, have, do you think they've told the account holders, hey, dudes, your stuff's gone? That, they, they say they have been in contact and they're, they're working with them on that. I believe some of these accounts may have been accounts which just had one or two letters in their name. So some mm. people literally have a one-character name, which is apparently very Like attractive. ZSK? Well, well, <laughs> we'll have to ask Zoe uh, whether she, she Zoe, got, I hope you're okay. <laughs> whether she was We love you, Zoe. <laughs> but but the, the, the thing is, that actually makes me think again that these weren't that serious hackers because there's so much which could have been done, but all they did was this rather lame cryptocurrency scam and try and pinch a few accounts. And I think also it does kind of... A, call into question the uh, platform's ability to secure everything, but also it's a bit concerning given the timing and the US elections that are coming up. How competent are these platforms in dealing with things that could be problematic for for democracy, right? like Crap. <laughs> okay, that's that, that question answered. <laughs> great, great discussion there. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Lisa, what do you have for us this week? Okay, so I have a question for you, Graham. Yes. Have yes. you ever been accused of stealing nope. the formula for a life and economy saving vaccine? It's a fair cop. I have to put my hands up. <laughs> no, of course not. Well, the poor Russians have been. Oh, bless them. So the Cozy Bears, aka APT29, well, there's a joint advisory that came out on the 16th from the NCSC, the NSA, that said that Russian-sponsored attackers are going after labs that are working on the vaccine, but also labs that are working on figuring out how this virus works. And spear phishing is their attack of choice, which is interesting because it's also social engineering, as Graham mentioned in the Twitter one. So basically, they're pretty certain at this stage that the Russian intelligence services are involved in this. Does the spearfisher have to know a lot, a lot, a lot about biology and virology? If you think about social engineering, that's kind of my area. Yeah. The staff that work in these labs are likely to be stressed, working long hours, wanting to win this race for the vaccine. There's probably lots of governmental pressure being put on them to, to sort of get it sure. done. Also, we know that security tends to hamper innovation and slow things down. So chances are there might be some bypassing going on. And also the media have been sort of focusing in on these labs and probably providing quite a lot of OSINT, maybe names, identities, things like that. Good point. That's more identifiable for these people. Mm -hmm. So I think in some ways, like the high profile nature of the work they're doing has probably lent itself to this. If I wanted to target a scientist who was working on this kind of research, I might send them an email, forge the address to appear as though it comes from a rival lab or something and say, hey, have you seen this new research which says if you inject yourself with bleach, it <laughs> cures the virus, right? Now, if someone receives that, they either believe it and think, crikey, you know, maybe he was onto something, or they think it's a joke. Either way... You open it because it comes from a fellow nerd wearing a white coat. And bam, the PDF or the Word document infects your computer with malware. I think, I think, I think that's outrageous. No, no, no. <laughs> that's an outrageous but, but, characterization. But you, could, but, you could, but you could do something like that, which doesn't even have to appear completely official. It could just be sort of chit-chat 
Right. I totally understand. So the spear phishing bit means either they got infected through clicking a link, which means they weren't secure, or they fell for something and handed over information. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. They passed over the information that they were working on, thinking yeah. it was someone in the US or in France right. or somewhere, right? Um, I'm just thinking if someone came to me like that and was pretending to be a cyber security expert, for instance, and started, you know, giving me a load of words and I was reading it and I'd go, I, I could tell pretty quickly their level of knowledge from the email. But if it's the Russians, why wouldn't they go to their own scientists and exactly. say, could you write a plausible email for me to send exactly. to these people? So they obviously had to have a lot of knowledge, you know, in order to be able to pull this off. So that's why state-sponsored makes it mm-hmm. very... Well, Russia yeah. Today has a different take on it. And I like Russia Today. I like to kind of vary my sources a little bit because they give you a bit more entertainment. So they claim that this whole thing <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. And their main defense that they put forward in the article is that they said that in this world, to attribute any kind of computer hackers to any country is impossible. And thankfully, they have agreed to forgive us for this mistake we have made. So we're very fortunate. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure the Salisbury Tourist Board will be really pleased that we're back in their good books. Yeah, I mean, I agree because they got a lot of tourism from that. So they wouldn't want that to stop. Um, The cathedral is just spectacular. It is. Yeah, go, go twice. So one of the journalists that interviewed one of the UK-Russian diplomats (laughs) decided to push things a little bit further and asked him whether he'd watched the BBC show on the Salisbury poisonings. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you take that shot at this point in time? You just would do it, wouldn't you? Um, And his response was epic. He said that he'd seen some episodes, but he wasn't hooked because the show was so dull. (laughs) But I love that their main defence was that you can't attribute it to us. It wasn't like, oh, we're all in this together, you know, like it's a joint worldwide effort. Nothing like that. It was like, you don't know it was us. That that was the defense. But Fascinating. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. And I think the, the problem we have here is that the vaccine is IP, it's R&D, right? It's really, really valuable. And I think from us as citizens, we look at it as a responsibility to save the lives of all these people, to save the economy. But on a sort of higher up level, a state level, whoever gets it first gets a huge amount of international leverage. Mm. And I think our sort of moral attitude of it actually doesn't apply when you're looking at it at that high level, because it's sort of a a military advantage almost, right? Because you now control the crucial thing that everybody needs to get their economy started. I understand that from a senior leverage point, but also like we have a pandemic on our hands right now, right? So anything that can encourage any country to come up with it, like would you care if it was UK or any country that came up with it as an as a, as a citizen, as an individual? Oh, I, I don't think I would, but I, I certainly agree with Lisa that it will be used as a bargaining chip and as leverage. Sure, 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 sure. But other countries. But would you would you think it's not immoral if if you were sabotaging someone else's chances when people are dying? Well, to be fair, the accusation is not that they're sabotaging it; it's that they're trying to steal the research that's already been done. Um, yeah, okay, that's fair. And then they're going to maybe get out first. Would be the idea there, right? And I guess mm-hmm. that the the states must be doing that. The UK must be doing it. Because it's, it's it's so valuable. And I think like Graham said, you know, imagine if mm. you got it. Imagine if Graham found the vaccine. Let's just live in that world for a second. <laughs> in a sandwich. <laughs> he single-handedly in the podcast Pleasure Palace created, this sounds so strange, created the vaccine for coronavirus. Graham has so much leverage now. He can go out and say, you know what, unless you all subscribe to Smashing Security, no vaccine for you. What would you Whoa. do? Um, I would leave the show. <laughs> 
That's what I would do. <laughs> You'd have a position, Lisa. You'd come in. You'd come in. Don't drag me into this. <laughs> He's gone rogue. Carol, what have you got for us this week? So there were tons of article this week about stalker wear. Mm. And this is due to an announcement that was made uh, last week by Google. So drum roll, please. The giant search engine has decided that it is no longer going to allow ads for stalker wear apps and software. Well, like, gee, Google, I couldn't believe that. Like, they took their freaking time. How long has Stalkerware been around? Like a decade, at least. Yeah, years and years. And openly advertised and promoted. I wonder how much money, ad money, they made over the last 10 years to facilitate the promotion of these digital stalking tools. Seriously. I reckon that's why they left it as long as they did. Yeah, making a ton of cash. So, okay, for those that don't know, let me just back up a bit. So what is Stalkerware? What do these apps do? First, it's kind of grown in scope. I've decided there's three different categories, okay? But you guys may think of other ones. Number one, you'd have the relationship issue, like the quote, I don't trust my partner, so I'm going to track their movements by installing something on their phone so I can take screenshots, log their activities, uh, you know, follow where they go, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then you've got like legit crazy stalkers, those, you know, those who won't take no for an answer. When you tell them to go away, they don't. And they think you just need more time to reconsider. And uh, these, uh, you know, this is a big spectrum of yuck of how far they can go. And then you've got this new one, which is uh, what some people are calling bossware. And this is because of COVID, people are working at home now. So, and some bosses aren't very happy with that because they can't keep an eye on their workers. Like, how do I know you actually worked your full eight hours that I'm paying you for? Oh, yeah. I think you talked about this in a past episode, didn't you? I did. Exactly. And some of these apps can do is take a pic, for example, every 15 seconds from your, from your, you know, or record every phone conversation (laughs) or log every employee information through something like Slack or through any of these kind of DM tools. Yeah. Horrendous. Can you think of any others that would be like in those large groups or is that kind of cover it as far as you guys think? I think fundamentally it's about snooping on someone without their permission and authorization, isn't it? And sometimes you'll have a relationship with them already. Other times you might want to have a relationship with them. Either way, it's a bit creepy. But you kind of often need access to their phone, like physical access to their phone. So, you know, you may Mm -hmm. want to get on Elon Musk's phone, Graham, and have access to all this stuff, but you'd need to be able to hang out with them or get your hands on his phone to install said software. I think it's a a bit like... If Graham was at his dinner party with Elon Musk and uh, what was her name? Chris Jenner. Kardashian. Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner. Yeah. And he takes Chris Jenner's phone when she goes to powder her nose and mm-hmm. he installs spyware, uh, stalkerware, sorry, onto the phone and then he can read all of Chris Jenner's messages. Oh, yeah, those will be interesting. Yes. It might actually yeah. be very interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So so we have these groups, right? We have these groups of people. And one of the big thing with these stalk-aware apps is that the victim or the owner of the phone often does not know this software is on there. Right. And, and the way that uh, some apps get around it and to allow your partner, say, for example, to convince you to put it on your phone is that these apps have what they call a dual purpose. So it might look like an anti-theft application or a child safety app, but it has the secret purpose of tracking and recording 
and logging all the stuff you do. This is what I remember about this stalk. I remember a company who I'm not going to name because they don't deserve the publicity, who had a rather flashy advert. American mm. style advert containing these people who claim to Eshore be Mouse. They, 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 <laughs> hey, hey! No, they, they claim they claimed to be genuine customers of this stalkerware. So I was worried about my wife's safety and this stalkerware. Although they didn't say stalkerware, it helped me work out where she was when she had a dangerous car crash, and I was able to save her life because I installed it. But reading between the lines, you knew it was all about possessive people and jealous partners wanting to keep track of people but it was often mm-hmm. sold on the basis of look after your family or keep an eye on what your child is doing mm-hmm. and, and this is one of the problems with what google is proposing is that although they're saying we won't allow ads which allow you to stalk it's fine if they're promoted as something which allows you to keep tabs on someone else for another reason so on on twitter i saw uh, today that jake moore was was talking about attribution of attacks right and general with cyber attacks and, and, and all these things attribution can be very very hard and he was talking about how you know can we ever really truly know a certainty but with this in most situations you you actually are in a privileged privileged in inverted commas situation because you actually probably do know who it is because it's you're likely to be your partner or the person who's stalking you on twitter no, no, totally. And I think I suspect when you do search uh, for these kind of tools, if this is what you want, you would find a ton of articles that tell you, oh, here, use this tool, use this tool. It says it's anti-theft but or anti, anti-safety or more safety, but actually. But I think also it's not just necessarily this intrusive because I had a bit of an incident and the, the gentleman involved um, found an app that although didn't go onto my phone and track you know, what I was doing on my phone, it did track every single thing I liked or did or when I logged on and did anything on Twitter. And it reported back everything I was doing as an account. He was sort of, I guess it was sort of monitoring, but or like intense following. logging and and sending the information over. Right. And although it wasn't anything that was private because I was on Twitter, it was still kind of like, I think like a the gateway drug to stalkerware, right? Because it's kind of, it's just one step removed from, putting something actually on my phone. Mm. Well, it's really interesting because there was a poll done in February as to how many, this was done in America, right? So what percentage of Americans do you feel would admit to using this kind an, an app, like using a kind of subvertive app on a partner's uh, or ex-partner's device? What percentage do you think? Uh, five, no, it'd be less than that. I'm going to go higher I'm going to go, yeah, I'll say 5%. I'm going to say, oh, it's difficult. I'm going to go 20. Really? Right, so you think one in five people have done it? Yeah. And admit to it? Okay, well, you're wrong. It's one in 10, but it's right between you two. So one in 10, and I was shocked with one in 10. And those are just the ones who admit it. Who admit to actually doing it, not thinking about doing it, not like dreaming, oh, that would be, I would really love that, but actually effectively doing it and admitting it. That's really disturbing. Not only that, yeah. that, that they're doing it, but that they feel comfortable enough. They feel almost like society is endorsing that kind of appalling behavior, that they mm-hmm. feel comfortable saying, oh, yeah, I do that. You know, it's like yeah, what yeah. everyone does, isn't it? It's just- I mean, that number, isn't that means that one person in your social distancing circle <laughs> may have spied on their partner or their ex. Blows you my mind. Now, the other thing in the same poll was that men were twice as likely to use these types of apps than women. Oh, my God. Is that because of, like, female intuition? We just kind of know. 
<laughs> I was thinking, this sounds rather sexist, and I don't mean that, but I, I was thinking that men might be more likely to be working in tech or be more oh, co- comfortable yeah. with grabbing a phone and doing all that kind of mm. stuff just because there's more men in tech than there are women still. Mm. But, yeah, interesting. But jealousy, you know, goes, but we know that everyone gets jealous at some time. This is how you handle it, gentlemen. <laughs> and ladies. Yes, gentlemen. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> okay, so just a bit of advice here. So let's say you were thinking, hmm, I think I may have something on my device, right? So for example, yeah. there was this one story of someone, so you know, she's living with her husband, but he's acting really weird around her and he keeps going to the loo for like long times and then coming out super angry. And it was because he'd installed one of these spyware apps on her phone and was going, when he went to the loo, he was reading all her messages. Oh my God, that makes me mad. He wouldn't say what was going on. So he'd come out of the loo all furious. And he was like, why is your poop making you so angry? Constipation. <laughs> exactly. Diarrhea, constipation. Um, okay, so let's say you're thinking, hmm, something's a bit off. I want to make sure that I don't have any of this stuff on my phone. Okay, so things you can look for. One is a huge surge in data usage, right? Oh, okay, yes. Or a battery drain, mm-hmm. because obviously your phone has to process lots more information. And so there is these, like, certainly on iPhone, you can kind of see this is my normal usage, and you can kind of track it over time. And if you see a spike, and yeah, you have no reason Carole, for that spike. Carol, there's a global pandemic going on. We're all in lockdown. Our data usage. We have a lot of time to look. We have now a good six months of, of behavior that we can look at. Um, don't worry, that's not the only one, though. Okay. Um, there's also inexplicable charges. So some stalkerware actually cross-charge the victim at premium rates to send the messages to the other phone. Interesting. So you'll suddenly get this bill going, why is my bill suddenly 80 quid instead opposed to 30? And that may be the reason. In a way, that's quite a good thing. Maybe all stalking software should be obliged to do that because the the, the device on on which it's installed is the person being spied upon. So as part of their awareness, you go and look at the bill and it says, yes, you are running the stalking app or the tracking app. Yeah. And also the other thing is just weird behavior that happens on your phone, like sudden pop-ups or you see apps that you don't remember installing. Even if they look harmless, they could have a dual purpose, as we talked about before. Yeah. Just a few things to note. Android devices, as opposed Mm. to Apple devices, are more susceptible because they are based on open source and have a very diverse ecosystem as opposed to the homogeneous system that you see at Apple. So, for example, you'll have several versions of Android operating systems available all simultaneously and all of them have different, you know, features inside them. And it makes security updates difficult. Are you suggesting that Android users are more likely to be stalked? Than- no. No? I think it's more, it's easier to uh, hide this kind of stalkerware on the devices than it is on okay. Apple devices. And that's because of Apple's, you know, uh, development and app submission process. It, it doesn't mean that it's impossible to get in there. Okay. But it's but- a little bit more difficult to get through. Imagine I was your jealous partner, Carol. And I wanted to stalk you. Should you be suspicious if I suddenly say, hey, hey, here's an Android phone. Why don't you put away your iPhone? Have this sexy new Android phone. Carry that around with but you But also, all the time. information has to be used, right? There's no point gathering intelligence and just going, oh, that's interesting. And then that's it. That's just a waste mm-hmm. of time. So I think very much you will see that let's assume that it's your partner just for the purposes of, of this conversation. Yeah. You will see 
your partner's behavior change and you will probably see them turn the conversation into topics that maybe you have researched or discussed with somebody else. Um, and I think there is also the opportunity, although I think probably the best thing to do is to, you know, reformat your phone and maybe have some counseling and some and conversations. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. But you can also test it because in intelligence, they used to teach us that, you know, once you know that someone's looking at you or watching you or monitoring you, you can actually poison the well to confirm that. Right. So, for example... You can start talking about your foot fetish or, or something. Or you start searching for, like, miniature poodles and how do I buy them fast and, like, how many can I buy? What if he buy? gets you one? <laughs> how many can I buy in one go? And I don't know, something... <laughs> really bizarre that they just wouldn't pick up on and if they suddenly start bringing up that you don't have room for a dog this is a hint to my partner who has said this <laughs> to me interesting then um <laughs> lisa you are a fountain of information <sighs> yes i'm a devious italian woman and this is my forte literally <laughs> so things you can do okay lock your bloody device and don't tell anyone else how to get in Use two, and now not just lock your device, but set your lock to reset not in half an hour, right? Or 20 minutes, and then you leave your phone lying. Oh, around. like auto locking. Yeah. yeah like yeah. auto lock your phone. I, mine's set like for one minute because I tend to use my phone and then not use my phone for long periods of time. And I'd have no notifications, so it's not complicated. But can be someone you live with. So if you are concerned that someone in your home may be tracking your devices, you need to think about your phone plan to make sure it's not a shared one as opposed to an individual one. Because that complicates everything, especially from a legal standpoint. Because how can you make sure you knew about what and they have access to all your logs and they can make changes and configuration change because it's a shared plan? Can I ask then? You know, on Apple devices, you can have a family Apple ID. Yeah, that's interesting. How does that link into this? I don't know. That's a really good question. Any listener that knows, please tell us, because that's a great question. And also, you have that on Amazon, too, right? You have it with a lot of apps now, family apps. Right. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a difficult one for people to say no to in a family because you obviously maybe save uh, on cash, right? So there's a kind of financial incentive for someone to bring that up. Now, one of the big problems here is it is very difficult to detect many stalkerware apps without a you know a stalkerware scan or an antivirus scan that's you know specifically designed for stalkerware. But for iOS, so I did just a bit of research. So on iOS, it is harder to get in, but an app that was recommended is called Certo. Um, the phone has to be plugged into a computer to do this, and then Certo can scan your phone back up um, on your a computer. And it does it for a price, a small fee, a year okay. price. So you have to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, you got to pay for that. Now, there's also reputable antivirus scanners to do it. So McAfee do it, Avira do it, and they allow you to scan specifically for stalkerware. Mm -hmm. And for Android, um, there are a number of little apps out there that can help. But one that I know of is from a new startup called Traced. And I actually know the guys who created this and developed the tool. It's a free tool, but I have not tried it because I'm not an Android user. So it's only for Android. Um, but people seem to think it's pretty cool. So you can check that out. I'll put links for all these in the show notes. It's really horrific, isn't it? Because... When you begin to suspect that someone might be spying on you, you're not sure and you're not you're not certain whether you're imagining it. Oh, of course they're going to say no, right? And it's and it's <laughs> worse when it gets physical as well because I had a situation a few years ago uh, when I was still in the police um, where somebody 
and was stalk like properly stalking me. They were taking photos of me in Sainsbury's, for instance, and then sending them oh to my me. Goodness. And then they started leaving a yogurt pot outside my front door every morning with a little uh, present bow on it every single morning. And it was it, it got really horrific. And it, even though nothing happened and no threat against my life was made and nothing like that, um, it still really ruins your day. You know, it sounds like a stupid thing yeah. to say, but you know, yogurt suddenly becomes threatening. Right, and it, it's true you're though. Just worried yeah. about everything instead of yeah. enjoying your life. So it's not just about physical safety. It's just that unbalanced feeling you get when someone you know is doing that to you. Yeah, you're totally right. It's can be super scary and it can totally change your outlook on life and tools that facilitate it should not be allowed to be sold. Okay, so there's the kind of the lowdown on stalkerware at this stage. There's also, remember, there's bossware, stalkerware. It's going to grow more and more. There are a few apps to help you, but uh, basically prevention is the best. So lock your phone, use 2FA and have good passwords. And use biometrics. That's another good, good way to go around it. Although I don't, but there you go. <laughs> Ring an endorsement there for biometrics. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we like to practice what we preach on this show. Very much so. <laughs> well, at least I'm honest. I say when I do. Use a password manager. Just do it. These aren't my words. These are the words of Brian X. Chen, the lead consumer technology writer at the New York Times. It's time that everybody uses a password manager, both at home and at work. Get this, LastPass from LogMeIn. For businesses, secure vault with centralized secure access, single sign-on, and simplifies remote management of all these accounts. And guess what, you home users out there? You can get LastPass free. For more info, go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Woo! musical pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like could be a funny story a book that they've read a tv show a movie a record a podcast a website or an app whatever they wish doesn't have to be security related necessarily i really hope it's not well my pick of the week this week is not security related i wonder whether you saw an extraordinary program which occurred last sunday on fox news on Sunday, it's a program called Fox News Sunday, which they broadcast on Sundays on Fox News. Can't miss it. And <laughs> what are you working for, Fox? And it is it is hosted by a chap called Chris Wallace, and he did an interview with a gentleman called Donald J. Trump. No, and it was quite a fascinating thing to watch. Not only because it was, of course, an interview done by Fox News, which historically has been a bit of a supporter of Donald Trump, um, but the issue came up of Donald Trump's cognitive test. And uh, this is, uh, you may have seen him on the news where he's saying that Joe Biden needs to take the same test because Donald Trump says that he absolutely aced it. And he says it's not an easy test, not an easy (laughs) test at all. Now, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to put ourselves and maybe our listeners to the test and see if they can also pass this test, which is normally... Um, I think done for people who have Alzheimer's or the beginning of Alzheimer's uh, to see if they have a problem. 
or not. So, you know, it's a good test for all of us probably to take. So I am going to put some links in the show notes. And maybe, Carol and Lisa, you would like to click on the link to the test right now. But you will be asked, for instance, uh, whether you can name animals. So you'll see an animal. There'll be one which uh, is, is normally found in Africa, and it's yellow and has big teeth. Yes. Um, and so you'll be asked, what kind of animal is that? <laughs> or here's another one which has a great big spiky horn on its nose. What could that be? Is it a cat? No, it's not a cat. You failed, right? And What, so, what does this clock say? Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you draw a clock which says 10 past 11? Now, Chris Wallace, who was interviewing the president, said, uh, just so you know, Mr. President, I've also done the test, and it wasn't that hard. And Donald said, well, it may- the first questions were easy, but they suddenly got very hard towards the end. The last five questions, he said, I bet you couldn't answer them like <laughs> I did. I aced it, and I bet Joe Biden couldn't answer them either. Is, was he referring to the test where you have to put a list of three numbers in, in order? Was that the was that the point it got hard? Because that's where it got hard for me. I was like, seven four two, what do I do? I don't know. So so there was so there was part of the test where you had to count down from one hundred, taking away seven each time. So if we started with okay, crawl, a hundred, take away seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to say it out loud. Oh, you're just playing for time. Okay, ninety three. Very good. Take away seven again. Eighty six. Take away seven again. 79. Okay, you are awesome. You're doing really well. You can be president of the United States officially. <laughs> no, thank you. Th- those were the easier questions. We're going to get on to the ones which Donald Trump claimed were really, really cool. hard. Okay. Um, Lisa, yes. what month is it? Oh, God. Uh, March. It's still March. It's still March. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Where are you? What's, what place are you living in? What country are you living I in? I live in the UK, unfortunately. <laughs> and what is the year? Oh, the year is still 2019, I think. So I think we're fine. Okay, so you're not doing so well. Uh, so I think Donald Trump was correct <laughs> to say that those final questions in the test were really hard. Donald, if you're listening, which you're probably not, <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're really tough. Silver lining, at least he knows those things. Because I was well, getting yeah, very yes. concerned that even that was beyond his grasp. So, yes. you know. Good. Good that he knows those things. He may still be living in the 1950s, but yes, he does know what year it is. But a little bit alarming that he should think that would be something which would trip up the average person. Are you really alarmed by anything he says? Really, I am really? alarmed by everything he says, yes. Um, but I'm more alarmed as to what's going to be happening by the end of the year. I think the Sarah Cooper um, summary of the interview was actually better than the actual interview, in fact. Oh, what did she do? He was talking about how how he aced the test, and she did a, a coloring a coloring in of the uh, <laughs> of this outside the lines of this drawing, and he said how hard it. She was saying how hard it was, and she aced it, and it's brilliant. They've never seen anything like it. I think was the phrase, um, <laughs> the best ever. Yeah, we will link in the show notes. Fantastic, um, Lisa. What is your pick of the week? Continuing on from the fact that I only pick kind of dark things um so i watched a program on netflix which is called don't fuck with cats it's a story of cyber tech people who used their osint powers for good to hunt down this man who basically started making videos of him killing kittens and uploading them to youtube um and this transforms into a hunt which with um, like literally unbelievable twists you it's just unbelievable um and i won't tell you the sort of 
the storyline because it gets completely crazy. Um, but essentially, they end up working with police from around the world in this this international manhunt for this guy. Um, and it's on Netflix, and it's 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 really well done. But I think the the reason I chose it was because I think. I'm a big believer that as cybersecurity professionals, we obviously can make money from our skills and our knowledge for sure. But we also have the power to do immense good in the world and to help people and to, you know, help people who are victims of domestic violence hide themselves or, you know, gather mm. OSINT on people who are maybe missing people. Um, and I think it just goes to show that we should uh, also use our powers for, for good as well as, you know, to line our own pockets and to make the world a better place. Smashing security in a nutshell. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just because we have fun, we share lots of good info. Yeah, and you don't kill kittens, so no, oh, no. added benefit. No, on this that. sounds. It sounds. It sounds really interesting. I've never heard of this. Before. Are you serious? No, I've I refuse to watch it because of the cat bit. They don't show the cats. They're very, really? very. No, they don't show it. They're very good about obviously making okay, it good. suitable for not seeing the cats. Um, but but it's really interesting how they dissect the videos to a point where they're identifying mm. oh what's that vacuum cleaner what's that plug can we pinpoint him yeah. somewhere in the world um to try and figure out where this guy is and who he is and i think you know it really goes to show that we have a lot of power and a lot of skills and a lot of manpower to help the police and help people who really need us mm. it is dark though i've heard that i've 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 been I know it's supposed to be great, but it's dark. I, I right? reckon it's going to be about as uplifting as Chernobyl was. I don't think it's going to be much better. Oh, Chernobyl was great. Carol, could you watch this before me and just tell me if it's no, all right? No, It's all right. I've watched it. It's awesome. Be brave, Graham. Be brave. What would Chris Jenner do? Yeah. What would Elon Musk do? <laughs> he wouldn't be afraid. Yeah. He wouldn't be afraid. Carol, what's your pick of the week? Um... So we, especially after Lisa's pick of the week, need a little hope in these yucky days. Mm. And there's nothing <laughs> like a well-written, well-orchestrated, well-sung song to G me up, right? And one of my longtime favorite songs was written by the great Leonard Cohen. Ah. And it's a song uh, that I used to love and then got poisoned by a number of horrible versions of Hallelujah. Yes. In 2015, that's how old this article is, there right. are already 60 versions of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah made by mildly famous people and some very famous people. I'm going to name some because some of them are quite surprising. You've got, uh, you've got uh, the very sexy Mi Michael Bolton. You have similar hair to him now, don't you, Graham? I do at the moment, yes. <laughs> right? Without the haircuts. Yes. Bon Jovi, you probably have hair like him as well. Yes. Right? His hair yes, is always, was always long. Yes. What about Il Devo? They're one of your favorites. <laughs> they did it. They, they did, did it. it too. In two yeah, in 2008, they did it. Um, so lots of people did. Now, uh, a lot of them are quite bad. There's a few very good ones, which I'm going to share with you, right? So that if people want to go watch them, they can. One of them is the Jeff Buckley version. I think that's 1994. That's a very good one. And there's there's one from Regina Spector, which is excellent. And I'm a big fan of her. Oh, she's, she's always cool, isn't she? She's very cool. The Jeff Buckley one, it's been overplayed for me. I, it doesn't... It doesn't mean yeah. it's a bad song. No, well, it's not a bad song. I, 
<laughs> it's not all about you. Graham. I love I love Leonard Cohen, but there's there are some songs which are played so much. I know, but you know what? I have a new version, and this has been recorded by friend of the show Michael Hux. Oh, his he's Ooh. in a band who, uh, and they you know kind of go around and do do lots of work in the states. And uh, they found this guy and they, he sung the song and they were just like, oh, my God, we have to record you. And they did. And it's being shared all over Facebook. But we also have uh, I got a, a special link on YouTube for our listeners. So I'll, oh. I've also got permission to play it. So we will have it oh play goodness. out and uh, you'll see if it's a great version. And if you want to hear the whole thing, you can go to the YouTube link and enjoy. And if you don't like it because it's been overplayed, ignore me. I love how your pickers of the weeks are always so cheerful, Carol. Not like, always. Well, I try. They are usually quite cheerful. And mine are really dark and Graham's are always very complicated. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's my responsibility to wind up the show. <laughs> very cool. And on that musical cultural note, we have just about wrapped it up for this week. Lisa, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you in a non-stalky kind of way on social media. What is the best decent respectable way for folks to do that twitter at least forte uk um i'm also on linkedin although I don't use that as much and uh sort of on instagram as well with the same handle lisa forte uk very cool and you can follow us on twitter at smash insecurity no g twitter and last have a g and you can join us in our subreddit uh, and catch up with all that's going on with smashing security there and don't forget if you want to be sure never to miss another episode subscribe in your favorite podcast app please do that in an app such as apple Podcasts, spotify or pocket casts and big heartfelt thanks from all of us for listening for supporting us for sharing our work also high five to this week's smashing security sponsor LastPass. its support helps us give you this show for free check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes sponsorship details and information on how to get in touch with us until next time cheerio bye 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 ciao ciao so presenting a pretty awesome cover of hallelujah written by leonard cohen performed by sean brown and jeremy dunham and produced by mim media link to the youtube video in the show notes enjoy well, I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music. Well, it goes like this The fourth, the fifth The minor fall and the major left The baffled king composing Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. And she tied you to her kitchen chair and she broke your throne and she cut your hair. From your lips she drew the hallelujah 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 Was a time when you let me know what's really going on below, but now you never show that to me, do ya? And remember when, well, I moved in you, and the holy dove was moving too. And every breath we drew is hallelujah 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 Maybe there's a God above But all that I ever learned from love How to shoot somebody who'd outdrew you And it's not a cry that you hear at night And it's not somebody who's seen the light it's a cold in years, a broken hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah